pumping myself up. That's right. Get out. It just always feels weird to start, which is so cliche. You hear podcasts talk about that all the time, and you're like, I don't get it. Just just start. I know. And it's it is. It's a weird feeling. It is where you switch from regular conversation into like presenter. Because you know, if we had like a director being like and action, like yeah, there was like cue music. And then it'd be like, go. We'd be like, hey there. Yeah, but we further. don't have that. No. So. All right. Well, we should start, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody. And welcome back to Unseen Musties, the fabulous movie review podcast where your two hosts, Kendra Timmons and Allison Buzner. We talk about the movies. Well, we don't just talk about them. First, we watch them. We watch the movies that we either one or both of us have never seen before and determine whether or not they belong on that list of movies that everyone is kind of like shocked and appalled that you haven't seen and like how dare you not have seen it and then they go into great detail about why the plot is great and why everything is great and why it changed cinema and you're kind of just standing there going, uh, cool. So (laughs) we have finally gotten around to watching some of these movies and uh, created this podcast so we can share with you whether we think they truly are must-see movies or maybe not. Maybe they don't hold up so good. (laughs) (laughs) So this week we watched... Gremlins. Gremlins. Which is perfectly appropriate for this holiday season. Mm -hmm. As we're approaching the, uh, the Christmas festivities, perhaps are already into... Or finishing up the Hanukkah festivities, Kwanzaa's in there somewhere, you know, winter solstice. Just all the fun things. All the things that make us want to get warm and cozy and spend time with family and have debates about politics and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) X and A on the last one for me, thanks. Yeah, I know. It's the unspoken conversation about politics. So do you want to do a little recap on the old Gremlins? shall we? So it was released in 1984. So she's a bit of a gem. And I would describe this movie, normally I just like read the plot from IMDb, but I feel like I'm capable of short forming this one on my own. This movie is about a traveling salesman who goes on a trip and decides to bring home a Christmas gift for his son, which turns out to be this tiny creature that has never before been seen, at least for the average population, and comes home and has three very specific rules about how to take care of it. And this movie is what happens when everyone just blatantly ignores all of those rules. Absolutely. And what chaos ensues over the Christmas Christmas time. (laughs) Very well said. Very well said. (laughs) We have Zach Galligan, who plays Billy. Uh, Zach is very hot in, I would say, the... 80s. Late 80s, early 90s, even into the 2000s. But I just want to say there is a new Gremlins coming out. It's called Gremlins Secret of Mogwai. That's how they pronounce it, right? Yeah, Mogwai or Mogwai. Mogwai. There you go. So it's actually coming out in 2023. HBO Max has got it under its belt. And the cast is freaking stacked and he's part of it. And it's going to be sick. Like Sandra O's in it. It's animated, by the way. Oh, interesting. So that's something to look out for for 2023. We also have Phoebe Kate, who plays Kate. And again, heartthrob of the early 
90s, late 80s. She was in Fast Times of Ridgemont High, yeah. Joe Dante's the director. He's done, all, there's been a ton of Gremlins after this, but he's done a lot of episodes of Hawaii Five-O, I have to say, so. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, and Steven Spielberg, as we saw in the intro, is an executive producer and had a big hand in this, but yeah. I also want to mention Chris Wallace, who did the puppetry and designing of all the puppets, because obviously... That was the movie. Gizmo and all of those guys are just a big part of the film. And he did all of them. He's actually pretty well known in the special effects. I would say special effects. Production design. Yeah. So he actually did the fly after this and he won Academy Award for the fly, which is pretty nice. He could have gotten one for this. Yeah, he kind of should have. There were so many of them. Yeah. And they all looked identical, which at the time... There wasn't like 3D printing or anything like that. Like he had to make no. Some of it looked like stop animation. Like it looked like the classic like Christmas, yeah, like claymation stuff. Which they were amazing. Yeah, just very impressive. Kendra, you've seen the movie before. I haven't. I have. Yeah, and but I long time ago, and I couldn't. I kind of knew vague things about what happened, but didn't remember how it rolled out in the ending at all. Mm-hmm. It was like I watched the first half but completely missed the last half, the first mm-hmm. and only time I ever watched it. So it was really nice getting to watch it again. And I will say, it exceeded my expectations. Me too. I kind of have been avoiding it because this is the type of film that I would look at and be like, I don't know. Yeah, do I need to watch that? Yeah. I personally should, and maybe other people should extend themselves this way as well, but sometimes we look at certain films and we think, that's not something I'd want to watch. Right. And you just pass it for years and years and years, and then you watch it and you're like, wait, this is sick. Yeah, this this works. Yeah. For whatever reason. And, like, obviously not all of it works. No. There are dated aspects. <laughs> there are problems. There are things that I'm sure we're going to get into, but, like, overall... I was really impressed with a lot of the effects. I was really impressed, like we talked about, with a lot of the puppetry. I really appreciated how they, like you could tell they were on some semblance of a budget. So they would do the effects where it was just people's reactions and like a lot of um, foley, like a lot of additional sounds added Mm -hmm. after the fact to like make it feel realistic. And just like overall for the mid 80s, I was pretty impressed at a lot of the effects and how well they held up. Yeah, I was watching this film and when I was a kid, we didn't celebrate Christmas because of, you know, we were Jewish. And I would go sometimes to my my mom's side of the family celebrated Christmas. So we would go sometimes and I always thought like, man, I want to have a Christmas like X. And at the beginning of this film, the idea of Christmas that I wanted was this dump of crystal white powder. No one is cold. Jackets yeah. are open. Yep. No Everyone. Mittens. No mittens nope, in sight. Nope. No breath. Everyone is like slightly pink on their cheeks, but that's about it. Yep. Everyone's sledding and the snow is just fine. Mm. There's no dirt on the street. <laughs> Everyone's bacon cookies inside and has toasty pajamas and a fireplace. And I was like, that's it. That's what I wanted. That's exactly it. And I can't believe I didn't think of it the entire time. (laughs) What an unrealistic Christmas that is. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, it definitely showed that, like, we've talked about it on other movies, but certainly on this one, a lot of cardboard sets, a lot of painted backdrops. And, like, part of me was more willing to forgive it in something like this because, A, I know it was probably really low budget, and, B, because it was kind of bad overall, it fit within the story they were telling. So it wasn't like they tried to, like, fake us out with really realistic stuff, and then all of a sudden, the wall that the gremlins drove a a snowplow through looked like cardboard. It was like, no, it just consistently looked like cardboard. So I was willing to overlook it and kind of, like, forgive those kinds of things. While I was watching this, I was like, this is the best Christmas movie, and this is the worst Christmas movie. (laughs) And it's perfect for me. And Because this movie... Had so many holes, so many plot oh, holes. Yeah, let's yeah, let's dive into some of those. Some of those. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, people just forgot about things. Yeah, like all the time, like um, the teacher dying. Yeah, he was gonna go call nine one one, and then he just decided Didn't. to never speak about it ever again. Yeah, he went to the cops. And he didn't say it when he was at That's the right. police station. To the cops that were smoking cigarettes and already kind of hammered on brown alcohol. <laughs> yeah. So there were many, but that's the there one that the yeah. first came to mind. Also, no one asked any questions about anything. That's why I think no. the cardboard stuff was so easy to get past. Because like this... Overall. Yeah. This Mogway, that's how you pronounce it, right? Mog- the, I would say Mogwai, but I don't Mogwai, the, Either the way. Mogwai. Gizmo. Gizmo yes. was brought to the house and they open the box and they're just like, oh. Oh, a creature. A creature. And That's I'm what like, I said. I was like, you've huh? never seen anything that looks like this. You've never been taught about any kind of animal like this in school. Ever. And the awe was just like, oh, cute. Thanks, dad. And like took it upstairs, discovered it could sing and was just kind of like, yeah, cool. I was just like, this is... I think overall, there was some really poor choice in reaction to what was going on. There was just, (laughs) either it just didn't exist, or it was just a little bit too naive for me, where I'm like, I want to be able, if especially because I would say this, this movie is a blend of, like, classic Christmas movie, like, think A Christmas Story, National Lampoon's, you know, those kinds of things with a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. Which is a weird blend to try and land, A. But then also, like, I don't know. For a horror movie, when I'm watching it, I want to be able to root for the final girl, quote-unquote. In this case, it was the final boy. But it's really hard to root for that person if they're so incredibly stupid. <laughs> like, they just make it difficult. And I don't think it's a fault of the performance. I think it's a fault of the creation of the story and the writing, where I was like, this thing just, like killed his teacher and he's like oh no like like there were just there were just very studded or like there were just stupid questions there was i can't remember what scene i wish i had written it down but he's talking to his mom his mom has just massacred the evil gremlins in the kitchen which got off to like horror start right away in terms of like gore she just went for it she was like i'm gonna murder the crap out of these little creatures she did a great job too yeah and i they had an interaction immediately after that like mother and son where he just asked a question where i was like why would she know that why yeah. would your mother know the answer to that question that should have been her line and you could have gone oh i don't know we're trying to figure like like it just some of the lines that were given just didn't make any sense or they were way too vague I don't know. There was something where they weren't quite reacting properly. Yeah. There was a scene where, first of all, Kate, the character Kate, 
Mm-hmm. She volunteers her time to work at a bar five nights a week. Pardon? Like that is a tremendous yeah. volunteer. I just want to yeah. put that out there. Yeah. But she was dealing with the racist neighbor who was like those foreigners he was drunk at the bar and she had said like well you know not everybody likes christmas and he was like what why and she was like well people who are alone who don't have someone to talk to and blah 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 blah. and then she was like she had mentioned like i don't really like christmas and he was like what are you i what did he say what are you hindu or something she had just said she had just said yeah. People feel alone the reason. and there's yeah. reasons why people don't like Christmas. And then she says she doesn't like Christmas and he goes, what are you, Hindu or something? And I was like, what on earth is Read this room. conversation? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she's like, just- this is why I don't say anything and like runs away. And I'm like, oh my God, so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just nonsensical. Like, be, you got to be a little smarter. Like, I get that the situation is odd and, like, we're trying to figure things out on the fly. But, like, there has to be some kind of, like, logic yeah. going on. And I just think it lacked a little bit of that. And I don't know whether that was a choice to keep it in the Christmas world. Like, if they were constantly skirting the balance mm. between the horror world and the Christmas world. Because in the Christmas world, we forgive a lot of things in terms of the magic and the awe and the, you know, and maybe we don't, we didn't want it to feel too heavy. So, like, blood-curdling screams were not appropriate in every instance. But I thought they they balanced that really well with the creatures. Because mm. the creatures were, like, they were both cute and terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like, somehow they landed that balance perfectly. So I just wish they had done that more within the story. Jenna, I watched with Jenna, my sister, those who have listened and are familiar with Jenna. We watched it with her, and, and she was like, I hate when they do these rules like this. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, the thing about don't feed them after midnight, she was like, it's always after midnight. Like, at some point in the day, it's always after midnight. So, like, at what point can you feed them again if you can't feed them after midnight? She was like, I've always hated those rules. And same with, like, you can't wear white after Labor Day. It's mm-hmm. Always after Labor Day, unless it's Labor Day. So, Mm -hmm. like, you just can never wear white. Like, I don't understand the vagueness of those rules Mm -hmm. and how you keep that stuff in check. So, like, that was a big plot hole. There was lots of plot holes as well with, like, she was. She also made a point where she was like, is snow not water? Like, every time they're walking around, is are they not? Is beer not water? They all got drunk. They all yeah. get drunk at the bar, and I'm like, yeah. there's water and beer. Like, aren't they, shouldn't Which, they all just be producing? Like, I just want to do a big shout out to that scene. I loved that she was trying to serve them at the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I loved, initially I was like, this makes no sense. And then it really grew on me, where I was like, this poor girl is trying to, like, appease these creatures so that she can get the heck out of there, and is doing it in the only way she knows how, which is, like, she's serving insane patrons and I did have a couple moments where I was like I've served many years of of my life as many actors do on the side and I was just like I've had nights like this Mm -hmm. I've absolutely had chaotic nights at the bar that are exactly like this except they're people who are drunk at a bachelorette and not tiny creatures (laughs) yeah I've I can think of a few nights as well behind the bar I loved that scene and I loved the theater scene the yeah. movie theater scene because I just loved the gremlins getting all dressed up and playing these like trope characters within gremlin world I just yes. thought they were so funny I loved when they became carolers yep that was the part of the film that I just truly truly enjoyed obviously they were the star of the show Absolutely. in terms of like characters that I felt for and that I like wanted to do well the dog yep. I was like if they kill this dog, I'm going to turn the movie off. Yep. And then 
Or Gizmo. 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 Yeah, if Gizmo dies, I'm not okay. Like, Gizmo is so freaking cute. So freaking cute. His little singing voice. And his little, like, he's obsessed with race car driving, and then he got to race car drive at the end. I know. He was so, so cute. And he made me really want to get a Furby again. Yes. I was going to say there are very, lots of similarities between those two things. I also didn't remember that he got taken away at the end. Mm, as he should have been. They were irresponsible people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. There wasn't, I felt for the mom. I really liked the mom character. I thought, mm. despite the fact that there were lots of plot holes, I did notice a lot of places where there was great attention to detail. Like the idea that this man's house is full of useless inventions. Like, and that's why I think I love the wife so much, because despite whatever was going on and how annoyed she must have been that her house is constantly getting destroyed by these inventions, she was always trying to use it. (laughs) She would always try to support him and give him a shot and like, and just her dealing with the chaos of life. I also thought her scenes with the gremlins were freaking incredible. Mm -hmm. Battling with them and like her walking around with like the knives. There were also some phenomenal like jump scares throughout in general for a horror meets Christmas movie. But yeah, there were there were so many times where there was great attention to detail within those props and within their lifestyle that made it feel very well-rounded and very real. But then there were other things that just completely dropped off. I was like, why couldn't we have kept that consistency throughout? Yeah. Billy would have been a better character if he had a little sister just like Hocus Pocus. I thought... Yeah. That the little kid was going to be in it more. The little kid dressed as a Christmas tree. I thought he was yeah. going to be in the movie more. What's and he just wasn't. What's his name again? Corey Is Feldman. Is that his yeah. real name? That's his real name. Oh, Because okay. he Pete. went on to... Yes. But in, in like, um, in real life, he went on to do, like, a bunch of very cult classic films. Yeah. And now he makes weird music. But, you know, each their own. Do your yeah. thing. But, yeah, I thought he was going to be in it significantly more, too. Me, too. I thought he was going to be, like, involved. Yeah. They involved like him so kick. much with the discovery of the, of the creatures. And, like, he went to the science teacher's classroom and then just was, like, hanging out at home. At one point, cut through a live wire of electricity with metal scissors. And I was like, you're dead. (laughs) (laughs) You're dead. (laughs) Like, but that was it. That's all he had. And I was like, this is such a missed opportunity. Because he was like, they really wove him in throughout the beginning. I also want to do a big shout out to costumes for that. That was the best Christmas tree costume I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. I've ever seen in my entire life. It was freaking incredible. And even like how it came off in pieces, like where he showed up in costume to deliver the tree and then was like, oh, screw this. And like ripped his, the top half of the tree off and just threw it on the ground. I was like, this, this is perfection. I can only imagine how uncomfortable that costume was, but I- were for like two seconds. I haven't seen a better one since. No, absolutely not. It was great. Incredible. I feel that this movie really shined- Definitely in special effects, makeup, yes. costume. Creature design. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Everything else was okay. Yeah. It, fit, I, it was fine. I really think it could have used more fleshed out side characters. Like, yeah. Kate was just kind of a useless character. Yep, she was kind of just there. Except for knowing where the gas was in the movie theater, which I was like, how did you know that? Like, there were so many missed opportunities to, like, bring callbacks back to other things. Like, yeah. I get why it happened in the movie theater, but then, like, why weren't they both working at the movie theater? So that they knew where the underground stuff was. I thought that they were going to work at the movie theater at the beginning of the film. No. I know, because it was, like, the set was there. Like, the exterior. And then it was a bank, and then we were never really in the bank again. And I was like, it just felt like there were some missed opportunities to really (laughs) tighten up the story. 
to just uh, yeah. bring it all in, have it make sense. The dad also, he was really important in the beginning, and then they just kind of brushed him off through the rest of the movie. Like, they kind of kept him involved with, like, calling from home from the weird convention he was at. But I was like, you didn't need any of that because he didn't even show up in time to save the day. He just showed up in time care. to stand over. No, no, he was ultimately completely unconcerned about anything that ha- had happened. The whole sequence of, like, him calling, which is one enough, no one's answering the phone. No one's answering the phone. No. I don't know what, During like, times was, like this. Yeah, I don't really, I can't really call back to times like this because I don't remember, but if you're trying to call your family for days and no one's answering the phone, that's when you go, like, they're not answering for days. I gotta... I gotta go home. I gotta call my neighbor. I gotta call the police. Like, you gotta start figuring yeah. something out. That's just one. Even the neighbor was underused in terms of like it, that was such an opportunity to have it be like oh surprise he's actually a veteran and he like comes out with all this like strategy and like helps the neighbors you know like there were so many also I could have sworn because as we were watching it there were lots of things where Jenna was like this cut makes no sense they just cut to the science office and it's like two o'clock in the morning but he just fed that and I was like I, I do know that the clock's broken. Like, I do remember that. That was a wonderful piece of writing where it was like, he didn't deliberately break the rules. It was a, it was an error as opposed well, to the, the water that was just careless. Yeah. The gremlins did it on purpose or they, they cut the wire. They, yeah. They chewed through yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think that may have been the line that I didn't like where he turns to his mom and he's like, how did this happen? And I was like, that's her. Kendra? She should be asking that to you. And then you could go, oh no, what about these lines? all over the place like that yeah but yeah like I thought that was really clever but for some reason I had it in my memory that they used the father's bad inventions against the evil gremlins mm-hmm. and then when they didn't I was disappointed <laughs> I was like what what a- they did in the kitchen that's true that's true the, the initial battle with like the weird open blender but the microwave was just a regular microwave yeah no I they could have utilized that more like I just feel like you could have pelted them with oranges or like burnt them with the weird coffee machine like it just could have been tied in a little bit better which I think would have landed because it is in the Christmas movie world where things are allowed to have a cute little bow on them you know yeah like home alone yes Yes. Where they, he uses all the objects in the house and the spider yeah. and the, all that yeah. kind of stuff. And it makes sense. There was a section of the film where they go into the bank and you see the bank is completely destroyed. And we're in there for like a minute looking <laughs> at the exactly bank being destroyed. <laughs> and then Kate goes, they've been here too. And I was like, duh. Why didn't that come out your mouth the f- second you came in? <laughs> I felt like they thought, okay, audience. You're too dumb to yeah. know what's going on an hour in. So we're just going to throw in these stupid ass lines. Yeah. But also, we're not going to question anything ever in our own story. Like yeah. the dad comes and he's like, what is that? That's it. That's yeah. all. That's the only question he has. That's the only thing he ever says. He doesn't call, like he doesn't say like, wait, what's going on? What is that? Hold on. What? Wait, uh, how does that happen? Like there was no panic. Yeah. It was just like, yeah. what is that? And I even think that was ADR'd. I don't even think yeah. he said it. I had a couple questions about ADR, like if they added any sounds in afterwards, especially, do you think the gremlins were ever intended to like actually speak English? Or do you think it was always supposed to be gibberish and then they did a test screening and were like, ooh, we don't know what they're saying. And so then they went back in and added the little like, bright light, bright light. Not 100% sure. I Because f- it felt to me like they just didn't make a call either way. Because it's like either they speak English 
in their cute little high-pitched voice, or they speak gibberish, but these things all kind of were a mix of both. Yeah, I don't know. They were very intelligent creatures as well. Yes. They just, like, immediately learned how to, like, drive vehicles and yep. going from, like, a dark hue. Drink beers. Yeah, like, they... What, how to cut phone lines, what a phone yeah. is, how to cut it. They, like, yeah. picked up on caroling and that someone would answer the door to that. Like, they, they yeah. went from, like, being geniuses. born to, like, geniuses. Yeah, like, a, if we're talking about the speed of a dog, like, that thing surpassed dog life for sure. Yeah. Very quickly. Yeah. But that being said, I bought into it. I yeah, bought it worked. Into it. it worked for me. This is a movie that you watch and you're just like, this is hilarious. I'm going to watch it. For what it is. Yeah, exactly. Is it like riveting? Is it going to like change my world? Our list has kind of split into two sections. There's some that's like art that we like get inspired by and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that really teaches you deep things. Exactly. There are elements of this film. Like I truly, like the sculpting of these gremlins is incredible incredible magical even i i would love to like just watch a documentary on how he made them but the rest of it is like put it on tv on christmas day and just like giggle with your cousin or something with your cookies and your eggnog and just veg out and laugh like there were lots of laughs i was totally entertained (laughs) i also there were lots of good horror elements in terms of the jump scares and yeah. you not really seeing the creatures. Mm-hmm. The moment, especially in the science office with the poor science teacher who goes first. What a terrible stereotype for the, <laughs> the black science teacher to be the first one to die. Like the guy who's like the most intelligent about creatures and like behaviors and all those things. We lose him first. Okay, great. But that whole sequence of him being like assuming it's still this cute little fluffy thing and trying to feed it and having it like and sticking his hand. Like there were lots of moments of those classic horror movies where you sit on the couch and go, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. And I think they set that up very well in the plot by creating these moments. Like, they let the audience in on what the rules were right away. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We knew the first five minutes of this movie what the rules were in terms of don't get it wet, don't, what was the, it doesn't like bright light, and don't feed it after midnight. midnight. (laughs) We knew the rules. So as we're watching these characters go through it, and stumble, you're going, no, 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 no. Stop that. What are you doing? Or like when he calls his mom and it goes, mom, they're, you know, they metamorphosized into something insane. Get out of the house. And she's just like, like slowly, horrifically, like wanders through the house with a knife and we're all yelling, no, get out of the house. We just, we just told you this. Like it had a lot of those wonderful tropes. They were very effective in their jump scares. They were very effective in, like even the introduction of Gizmo where he just pops his little head out and they all back up and then just the little tiny paws come out of the box. Like I was like, I don't know that I have yet to encounter something that is equally as creepy and as cute as these things were at both phases of life. Mm -hmm. Gizmo was straight up adorable, but also kind of weird looking with the weird bat ears and like the really big beady eyes and was kind of cute, creepy in its own way. And then the other creatures were like creepy, evil, mean, but also kind of cute. And how do you nail it twice? And both of them look like Lola. (laughs) The whole time I was like, these things look like my dog. (laughs) Found her Halloween costume. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wouldn't want the metamorphosis gizmos. The new, the original gizmo was just yeah. like the cutest thing in the entire world. Yeah. And let's hold him dear to our hearts forever. Yeah. And I could see that being the pet of the future for sure. I was going to say, because this was pre-Furby. 
I feel like Furby was inspired by Gizmo. I think so too. I yeah. think there was like, a, ooh, how do we do this? Equally creepy cute, I would argue. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I also thought the the differences, the subtle differences, I also thought the way in which they procreated was wild. I know. The little fuzzballs, especially because you could tell, again, they used it very strategically where they were like, off the bat, they showed us what that looks like. Poor Gizmo got wet and his whole back had these like boils and then they popped off and like grew into these creatures who like unfurled like little balls like it was just so genius and so well thought out and because they'd established that shot every other thing previous they didn't have to do any of that work mm-hmm. they just had to sh- make the sounds of the popping and have the actor standing above it react to this bizarre procreation system mm-hmm. and then same with the pool when the evil thing just gets in the pool and all of a sudden it's like boiling it's like roiling in the smoke and that like they didn't need to do any extra work because they'd already established to us what the rules of these creatures were and I was like this is how this is to me the master class in how you make movies you don't and we talk about it all the time you don't have to show everything you have to establish it in a way that's believable and let our imaginations do the rest because mm-hmm. it allows us to enjoy the process and it doesn't cost you any money <laughs> Yeah. However, I could definitely tell that a lot of those special, like, I think that if they had a million dollar budget, I would say 90% of their budget went to special effects. Absolutely. So they didn't really have a choice but to get creative in those moments. Yeah. Because even to make that pool go green and bubble and smoke, Mm -hmm. I was like, dude, you had to put, you had to put like a system in the water. You had to dye it. You had to get literally smoke to come out from like a chemical reaction. Also the lighting effects in there as well. Like the pool is but they had flashes of like purple and red happening through the smoke which would have come from a completely different direction yeah I liked that scene a lot me too I I liked seeing I was like this is the coolest thing ever I feel like hot tub time machine and stuff should have (laughs) taken some notes or whatever because that was so sick there were like super awesome moments in this film yeah there really were it held up they really did it wasn't like ooh that was impressive for the time there was Mm -hmm. that but it was like no they were straight up impressive yeah I would say like across the board the dialogue was trash I would agree the whole film which is so interesting because Chris Columbus wrote it and then went on to direct and essentially spearhead Harry Potter which is wild but also didn't he do that Christmas film you just mentioned he also wrote that um he wrote Goonies he also directed Home Alone and Home Alone 2 like and yeah I mean Harry Potter like the guy's a force to be reckoned with yeah. And yeah, I thought the dialogue was not good. Not good. It just wasn't a priority, maybe. We'll say that. Like, it wasn't. Okay, so why did they have the story of Kate and her dad oh getting my... stuck in the chimney? Oh Does, can someone explain that to God. me? The only thing I can think of is that that's how this movie started. <laughs> someone. Huh? Yeah, yeah. No, this is this is absolutely happened to me in my writing process where it's like it's just a story or a breakup or it's something very simple and from there the idea kind of explodes. Like I'm not saying that's that's truthful. I'm just saying I can imagine a world in which someone was like, "Could you imagine like, you know, if at Christmas time your dad dressed up like Santa and then actually got stuck in the chimney and died and it was it became this whole tragic thing for the rest of your life." And that just became like an interesting anecdote that they felt like they had to use. Because it was they too didn't. much. They didn't. It was they too didn't need much. It, it because, was stupid. And again, I don't know if it was because they were like, oh, we're trying to make a Christmas and a horror movie. And then we've gotten to a point in the movie where there's not enough horror. So let's 
throw this in here. I was just like, ooh. It just, it was a different. Then cut the scene. It was just a different kind of horror. But then she would have had nothing. Then she would have been literally no one. She was like low-key useless as a character. Like she didn't really help him at any point. No, very damsel in distress. Very Yeah, like she just was basically like a backpack. Yeah. She also kind of got introduced to Gizmo and he was like, oh yeah, that's Gizmo. And she was like, oh. Again, no one... We live in a world where tiny weird creatures that no one's ever heard of gets introduced to us and we're just like, oh, okay, it's cute. And like, I wonder, was that the original reaction for the chinchilla? You know, like chinchillas became pets at some point where they weren't ever before. Like, I'm talking like ages and ages. You know what I mean? Like, was that the exotic pet? Like, is that what they were trying to do? Where it was like not completely unheard of that there's this exotic animal we may never have heard of from this foreign country? Like, was that normal at any point? In the 60s or 70s? Like, I don't know. Very bizarre that you didn't have to feed it or give it, like, you you couldn't even give it water to drink, which I was like, that's interesting. The idea that a biological creature doesn't need water to survive. But I will say, I think Jenna looked up, looked it up, and the mogwai is like a, it means, like, demon. Mm. Maybe they were going for its, you know... It's demonic. It's spiritual. So it's mm. that's why it doesn't need to be fed. I don't know. I don't know. Also, I feel like there could have definitely been more. The teacher took blood, and I was like, yeah. "Let's find out what's in the blood." Like maybe right. there's like crazy fireworks in there. You yeah. know, he could be like, "This blood is bizarre." It was definitely a and weird like, color. Sends it to somebody else was a different color when they turned into the evil creatures because the evil creature blood was quite green yeah which is also interesting another plot hole why were gizmos spawns evil why were they evil and he wasn't i think it was just the one bad seed i think stripe was okay but then and then he was the bad why didn't they like why didn't we ever have a conversation about why we should have tested that theory. There was no theory tested. There was no questions. No one ca- like we just went on a ride. It felt like this movie felt like playing snakes and ladders. It's like yeah. complete chance. Hopefully you win. Yeah. You go up a ladder and then whoops down a slide. Yeah. <laughs> it also wasn't really defined as to like how to kill them. They seem to survive certain things, but not other things. And. They kind of settled on fire because it's bright, but then sunlight also did it. And I was just like, that also felt really vague to me. But the flash from the camera also did it. Well, it didn't kill them. They just didn't like it. I thought they died. No. No? Because she takes a Polaroid of Gizmo at the very beginning of the movie. And that's how, and then the the dad goes, oh yeah, right. It doesn't like sunlight. Oh. It was like a weird thing. And Gizmo was fine. Just right. very uncomfortable. So I think that was just her way of like get distracting them or stunning them to get out of the bar. Right. The only other thing I can think of as to why the spawn were kind of evil was like maybe that was the purpose of the rules. Because mm. when you think about it, the water didn't actually do anything terrible. It just made more of Gizmo. But I guess maybe the original store owner in Japan? Were they in Japan? In Tokyo. They, they were just in, in Chinatown. They were just in a Chinatown. Oh, I thought he was in a different country. Nope. Oh, God. That makes it so much Yeah, worse. no. Okay. Yeah. The only thing I can think of is that store owner had, like, curated and kind of called. <laughs> sounds very dark. But had kind of, like, called the population down to Gizmo, who was quite gentle, in the way that not unlike breeders breed out the qualities yeah. that they don't like. And then when you 
purchase a dog who's been bred, you kind of enter into this agreement that you won't breed that dog. So that's that's the only thing I can think of in terms of why Gizmo's spawn were not as kind and as sweet as Gizmo. Because at one point, the what's the main character's name? Billy. I didn't know any names in this movie. Sorry, what was it? Billy. Billy. At one point, Billy offered Gizmo chicken. But Gizmo knew it was after midnight and was like, no, I'm good, my dude. There was obviously something very special about Gizmo. Which made me sad that he lived in a box, but whatever. Oh, I know. Yeah. The very first note I wrote about, I didn't realize that Dragon Breath is potentially a really inappropriate comment. Did you get that impression? So I feel like they don't know what they're talking about. Because... <laughs> The shop owner, that in itself was quite racist. Yeah. And then the neighbor with all of his foreign comments. Also that was an racist. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we're gonna listen to the the theory of what they think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I initially he was like, Yeah, you know, really bad breath, dragon breath, and then looked at a dragon and was like, Oh no, I've screwed up. And I was like, first of all, we don't use the term dragon breath anymore. Like that's I would never describe my bad breath that way. But if we did I, di- I didn't I don't know if that's offensive we'd have to call out to the audience hello audience yeah. is dragon breath offensive I please tell us don't know and if it is let us know yeah please and thank you please and thank you <laughs> I also have not used that term I think ever but if someone uses it we- they would also like to know if dragon breath yeah. is potentially a not thing to say yeah <laughs> okay <laughs> that, was, that was my last the last piece of business Yes. All right. Two truths and one lie where Kendra Timmons guesses who is the liar of the three statements. All right. Are you ready? Yeah. Are you steady? Always. So number one, in 1984, Gremlins, as well as Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, because that's a Steven Spielberg, I believe, is it not? Mm -hmm. Yep. So those two films helped change the rating system forever. Those movies contain violence that may not be suitable for young children, but wasn't as intense to be an R-rated. So Steven Spielberg suggested to the MPAA that they should create something in the middle. So in 1984, PG-13 was born and has stuck around. Two, Barney the dog. And this is just a (sighs) Your favorite. I know, he was my favorite. Barney the dog is originally named, like his actual name is Mushroom. That's not a lie. His name is Mushroom. Wow. Yeah. So unfortunately, he wasn't the best co-star to have on set. Mm -hmm. So because of the film's budget, mostly going to puppets and special effects, they cut down cost on dogs. Because I don't know if people know, but a lot of the times they'll get multiple dogs on set so that they can switch dogs out that have special skills in certain areas or if a dog gets tired. If they get tired or grumpy. Yeah. yeah. So unfortunately, Mushroom was the only dog to be hired for this film. So Mushroom twice ran away from set. He went under the desk for that film. He actually fell asleep and they were trying to keep him awake just to get that shot. But he was so tired that he actually fell asleep. And usually in the afternoons, he would need to be bribed with tasty snacks to be brought back on set because he was over the process. (laughs) The script had to be changed because Barney was supposed to be kind of Billy's sidekick. Right. But because they were like, he's way too overwhelmed, they decided to have him go to the conference with the dad. Right. Yeah. 
So that's number two. Okay. Number three is the famous voice of Gizmo. So Frank Welker, who plays Scooby-Doo, was offered to do Gizmo. And he's kind of a famous uh, animal voice in a lot of animations. So he was offered to do it. And he was like, you know what? Actually, I think that you should go with my boy, Howie Mandel. No one knew who Howie Mandel was at the time. But they're like, he's hilarious. And he would do a great Gizmo. So Howie Mandel ended up being the voice of Gizmo. And he has reused that voice another two times. So one for Skeeter in the Muppets Babies and the other in Bobby in Bobby's World. But Howie Mandel did not do the singing. He... Well, no, it sounded like a machine. I don't know who did it, but it wasn't Howie Mandel. Howie Mandel did not do the singing. He's not a very good singer. One, PG-13 rating. Born. Two, Barney the Dog. Three, Howie Mandel. Again, this is very good. I will go on the record and say that Mushroom is a fantastic name for a dog. <laughs> I think you're just biased because Mushrooms have been such a, become such a huge part of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> he was very cute. He was very scruffy. He had some great moments. I also understand if he ran away from set frequently because I'm not sure this would have passed any kind of dog treatment standard because they're mm. he was literally hanging in Christmas lights mm. without his feet being on the ground like that didn't seem up to standard for me there were also a couple times where like Gizmo like essentially ran the car underneath him and he like mm-hmm. jumped over it so I can understand why Mushroom was maybe a little disgruntled and maybe didn't want anything to do with the production that totally passes for me introduction of PG-13 is interesting because I was always under the impression that PG-13 got introduced because of sex stuff because the states in Canada things tend to be rated a certain way based on sex over violence mm-hmm. so we tend to rate things that are violent with a higher rating versus things that are sexy and the states is the opposite if there's boobs in it it's r-rated but if there's a bunch of killing and guns it, they let it go they let it slide it's fine so that one to me feels a little bit fishy mm. but so does the Howie Mandel stuff which I am now mad at myself that I didn't Google who the voice was because we all know that sometimes day player of the day I I tend to choose voices so it very well could have come down to that so I'm between the first one and the last one but I genuinely don't know I'm I'm gonna say the the first one is a lie the PG PG 13 reading is a lie well that one is true hey yeah I made up the dog one oh no way yeah I wasn't even close no I I really thought you were gonna know I thought you were gonna know about Howie Mandel. I was like, she's going to get this one for mm-hmm. sure. No. I just made up the the mushroom stuff. Cute. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they wrote him out or if they were just like, listen, we need less dog stuff because... I mean... I, I mean, they had this whole plotline that just disappeared about this woman wanting to kill his dog. Yes. So maybe that was yeah. why the dog was out of there. But Steven Spielberg commented... In the special features of this film, and said that Mushroom was one of the best actors in the whole Aww. movie. Originally, Mushrooms was supposed to uh, get eaten by the gremlins, but they did write that part out because they thought people would be very upset. As they should have. Yeah, but no, Mushroom was a good dog. He only did one other one other film after that, Aww. and then he didn't do any others. I don't know if there was other dogs on this. I couldn't really find any information on it. So someone knows if there were multiple dogs. It didn't look like it. It also didn't look like. 
I know that he did bite and ruin one of the oh, no. gremlins at one point, which I was like, fair enough. They're yeah. robotic and they are scary. So and I they would bite move. it too. So yeah. the dog doesn't know it's not real. No, my dog, my dog bites the vacuum every time I use it. And <laughs> every time she's always like, I don't know that. And I'm like, dude, you see me do this yesterday, man. But so I don't blame Mushroom at all. Don't blame you. Because I also think, I think dogs are the easiest ones, animals to not have to replicate because they are such good boys and girls. Like they just, Mm. they behave very well. They're very trainable. Like you said, I think the exception is if they need a a really special skill that one of them doesn't have. But when I worked on Ride, they they used multiple horses because they were like, this one can do this and that one can do this. And this one's really chill. And Mm -hmm. this one like will, respond well with the horse whisperer and so it was very much i think we used three horses overall which is like fun facts because i remember nickelodeon for some reason really didn't want us to talk about there being different horses because they thought that the kids wouldn't like be able to connect it would ruin the magic yeah 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 i know that hudson and rex use uses four german shepherds because one of them is like the main boy and then there's (laughs) one that is like the agility one and then there's just like this puppy who's like the one who does all the attacks great and like jumps on people and stuff yeah yeah so like yeah they all have their own skills just like us humans have our own skills so (laughs) and they get tired and overstimulated and need time alone just like humans so well done allison i i you know what i really tried kendra i tried to make it like you say that like it didn't go well so like for our for our trivia thing I felt like my questions were getting too hard. So I tried oh. to get like easier questions in there. And then and they then, were too easy. No, I, well, I just, I'm glad that I just wanted some people to win because for a while people weren't winning at all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just think it means bad. we have very honest followers. Yes, we do. We do. Who are Googling just, it all the time, you know? Don't do that. It's not fair. <laughs> okay, let's go into damn musties. Yep. Excellent. Welcome to the Musties, which are our very own rating system where we rate a couple different categories of the film out of 10 mushrooms. Because what is mustier than a mushroom? So we have on the page, on the screen, and on the brain. Mm-hmm. So we are starting with plot. Plot. It's tough. This script, yeah. no offense, sucked. But yeah. ugh, I don't know because there's so many freaking holes, dude. It was like the movie Holes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Brother, I'm gonna give it a five. All right, character breakdown. So, this is where like the gremlins, I feel like, had a good character breakdown in a sense. We don't really know where they came from, but like there was rules and structures. Everyone else was pretty much like, I don't get it. Yep. I didn't get any of the char- other characters. I don't understand why they did the things that they did most of the time. This was also yep. the era of time we have to remember that there was a commercial that said, It's 10 p.m. Do you know where your kids are? Like, that's how detached parents were at the time. <laughs> yes. So, character breakdown, also five. Dialogue, can I give it a zero? If you want, you can. Ugh. You absolutely can. I'm going to give it a zero. Yeah. It was trash. 
Yep. Yeah, I agree in a lot of places. I think for me, for plot, I'm going to go a little bit higher. I'm going to give it a seven because there were there were certainly plot holes. We, we talked about them. There was a lot of things that like didn't make sense. I really didn't like that the main character didn't seem to have any kind of urgency or like logical form of intelligence. It kept him like very naive, which I think is kind of a common theme throughout these protagonists, especially in these late 80s, early early 90s movies. But it was just a little too stupid for for me. Like I again, I want to be able to root for you and it's really hard when you're making incredibly poor decisions, which is why I liked the time the clock being chewed fantastically. So that gets points for me with plot and the also the whole idea of combining this horror with this Christmas, which like had certainly been done before, but I think that they nailed it in terms of a balance between both. Mm. So I would like to give them points somewhere for that. So I think it's going to go for plot. For character breakdown, I agree with you. I did feel for some of the characters. Like I I did believe the connection that, that Gizmo had built with Billy. And even though the first portion of the movie was quite racist, the relationship between the little boy kind of going, we need money for our family. And like, yes, he doesn't want to sell it to you. But at the end of the day, you know, kind of like writing off his wisdom, like their connection, I understood. And their struggle, I understood even though they were in the movie really, really briefly. But then it loses points because the, yeah, the lead female was not good, but then there was like, yeah, I don't know. They just like tend to drop things off in a couple places. So I'm going to give it a six. And for dialogue, I'm going to give it a two. Because I do think... A lot of it was very, I think when it came to the horror, like when it came to the story, Mm. it wasn't good. Like there Mm -hmm. weren't enough questions being asked. There weren't correct questions being asked. But the, the relationships and like the Christmas time aspect and, you know, even like the office stuff, like the evil banker who then went on to be the dad in the Santa Claus mm. had some things where he was like those kinds of conversations about, you know, oh, if it was me, I would have fired you. And he's like, well, yeah, Merry Christmas to you, too. Like that stuff, ha- like that wasn't the worst. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm going to give it I'm going to give it two points. OK, because I did laugh. I did. There, I had mo- I had moments. I don't know whether I was supposed to be laughing, but it was. So for this category on the page, Allison has given it a 3.33 and I've given it a 5. On the screen, so production value is quite high. There is like the, you know, Kool-Aid man effect where they just like busted through paper walls and you're like, boom. Yeah, it's... That would I would say that would be the that would be the only part of production value that I didn't like because yeah. even though there was these like classic Christmas features in this sets, I love those. Yeah. I look forward to those. Like I want to see those. So like the hallmark factor, I guess, yeah. of the film, I loved it. And then how could you not? love those gremlins and gizmo those were amazing puppets special effects even the cocoons that they created and they were sticky they had slimies yeah they were sick like it was all sick so i'm gonna give it a 9.5 only for the cool man effect kool-aid man effect that's what i want to say the cardboard wall yeah acting and casting honestly casting for the people was like whatever like, I didn't, they were all just like, whatever. Yeah. Didn't matter. Could have been anybody. And the acting was like, again, whatever. Like, I don't know. Like, it was fine. Like, it, yeah. It, yeah. It wasn't bad. I mean, I feel like if you have such a stupid line, you should maybe try. I don't know, but that could be directing as well. So yeah. I'm going to give it a five. I feel like this director had a big hand in like how things went and shots and all that kind of stuff and colors. 
so I do appreciate that aspect of his directing, but I feel like just the like the acting aspect was just not up. He didn't help. Like to to par. No directing, I'd give it a five. All right. And that being said, I think the reason why this movie is such a classic film is the Gremlins. For like sure. you're watching it for the Gremlins. Let's yeah. just make that crystal clear. Yeah, I'm in the exact same page as you for production. I think the fact that it was cardboard sets and nobody was even like pretending to be a little bit cold. It just goes to show that like no one in that situation was like actually used to a winter. They just liked the idea of it. But I also wanted to shout out costumes in here. Nothing felt like a bad costume. Mm -hmm. It felt very much in period. It felt like it was the right class of people. All of that was really great. I also thought the music was fantastic. If this had a great score, you know, kind of spooky when it needed to be, kind of happy. I have a note that says, like, any Christmas song it can be spooky or creepy if they play it a little bit too slow. Mm. They really utilized. And also, the fact that the gremlins turned on, like, a like the do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? As the mom is, like, wandering through the house trying to find them. Like, I thought there was really clever uses of music throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the cardboard sets and the lack of, you know realistic snow kind of also at one point he gets in his car that never works and not only does it all of a sudden work but the entire windshield is still covered in snow and he just peels out of the driveway <laughs> and i was like no no where's your scraper where's your scraper oh also in production value a shout out to all of these intricate inventions that they created oh, yes. yeah for they the created inventor. all of those yeah those are those were sick if he hadn't had those, that character wouldn't have really needed to exist. No. Which, yeah. Um, acting and casting. But if it wasn't for a set design, it also would not have existed. <laughs> no. No. 100%. So acting and casting, I think I'm going to go a little bit higher with this one because I do think there were performances that were able to stand out and were quite good. Specifically, the shout out to uh, Polly Holiday who is an actress who I love. She's been in so many of my favorite movies. Like the minute she yeah. came on screen, I was like, oh my gosh, who is that? She's incredible. She played like the evil, evil woman who was trying to kill the dog. For, or who wanted to kill the dog. And never but, tried. No. But yeah, but then they reveal that her house is like, she's got all these cats and she has that weird like stare, stares machine. And like, I thought her horror movie performance was the best in the film. <laughs> when she opened the door and saw the carolers and was like, what are they? What is it? And like went into this whole thing of like, I'm not ready to go. I'm not ready. Like the whole, I just, incredible. And like the screaming and then to be flown out, like to have your death be you fly out of a window on an electric chair. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible. So I think there were like side performances that made this movie feel like a community. I think they were underwritten in terms of like they didn't come back or they didn't add to the story in a valuable way, but they were at least all unique characters. Obviously, we have to dock it again because of the lack of diversity. Diversity was not used well in this film. It was nope. used as a trope, as a stereotype from the only black actor being the first one to die and for no one to really care about it. And the whole opening having, it wasn't even like determined what that culture was, which was also really upsetting. They kind of just put a blanket. Yeah, they were Asian. like Asian, man. You're like, what yeah. the fuck? So there were just stuff like that where I was like, it just didn't feel like a lot of care went into that. Mm. So I'm going to give it a seven. Mm-hmm. For directing, I think this one is tough because I agree with you. There were lots of missed opportunities to correct things. But I also think 
the balance of tone that they got on this between a Christmas movie and a horror movie was also really, really good and I think it would be really, really hard Mm. to direct all of those scenes with puppets as well. Like, just the technical aspects that would have been involved in the bar scene, in the movie scene. Also, creating an environment in which you could fall in love with what is essentially a half-robot, half-puppet, I think was quite successful. So, I think I'm gonna give it a seven there as well. This whole movie to me, to be honest, felt like a bit of a seven. Like I was willing to forgive the poor stuff because of the nostalgia and the way it made me feel and how it was easy to watch. It was entertaining, but it wasn't groundbreaking. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe six and a half is closer. I don't know. But anyway, my final score for this category is a 7.83 and Allison's is a 6.5. On the brain, suspending reality. So this is where I think I'm going to give a higher score because mm-hmm. it was suspended. Yes, I was definitely like questioning a lot of things, but I was like, they're not questioning anything. Why should I? You know what I mean? Yeah, let's go. Let's just have fun. Yeah. Like if I was watching this, like I said, with a family member, I would just be on the ride. But the reason why I wasn't was because we do this podcast where we analyze it. Yeah, Yeah. analyze and pull movies apart. So suspended reality, I would give it a nine. Emotional connection, that's tough because I was emotionally connected to Gizmo and the dog and everyone else was kind of just like, meh. So I'll give Emotional Connection a six because I was pretty emotionally connected to those two guys. Would I recommend this? Yes, I would. I would definitely recommend this. It doesn't age well in terms of like some questionable characters and some questionable dialogue. But at this point in our lives, that's kind of how a lot of things are aging. So for recommendation, I would say like this is like a Christmas film you should watch with Mm -hmm. your family and friends and just laugh your butt off. Ten. It was way more Christmassy than I remember. Yeah, it is really Christmassy. I thought this was one of those movies where like Die Hard, where it's yes. like it happens to happen at Christmas, but that's not really the the idea. But this, although similar, it was not the idea. It was the, it, these creatures are taking over, but they really reminded you and brought Christmas in throughout the entire movie. I thought the same, like I really did think when I was watching this that this was going to be just happens to be on Christmas. But like you said, it was more, it, way it more. It really that. was part of it. Christmas was yep. part of the movie. This is a Christmas yep. movie. Yep. Message: <laughs> the grandfather who comes to collect Gizmo at the end of the film has a line, and he says, "Like you're not just like the rest of the world. You take something that the world, like that the universe has given you, and you don't know how to treat it properly, or something like yeah. that." And I was like, "Maybe that's the moral of this story: is yep. like, don't be a fool." and like treat things with respect and whatever all that kind of stuff but the thing is is like that literally was handed to me in that line and if that line wasn't there yeah I would have never known that kind of I thought it was just like the classic like here are the rules and I'm gonna break them so don't break rules right so I'll give message a seven all right, excellent. So for suspending reality, I agree with you. I'm also giving it a nine. The only places it kind of lost me was, like I said, the naivete of the lead. I wish hadn't mm-hmm. been as bad as it was. And mm-hmm. I did find the ending long. The ending didn't wrap up for me. And I don't know why. Because I think they did a good job with, like, capturing them all in the theater. And But, like, you know, the evil one happened to get away. And then they had to go after it. Like, it felt very boss-like, like a video game mm-hmm. of the 80s, 90s. But mm-hmm. I just found that they, again, they underutilized things that they had set up previously 
likely that would have made the ending feel a little bit tidier and a little bit tighter. Like the pacing of the beginning of the movie was freaking perfect. Yeah, perfect. We got into it right away. We knew the rules right away. We got to fall in love with Gizmo for the right amount of time before things started going wrong. Like I really commend the first half, which is why I think I was slightly disappointed with the back half. So maybe I'm going to give it an 8.5. I changed my mind. All right. 8.5. For emotional connection, I, Gizmo was so cute. The puppy was so cute. I also will say, despite the fact that the dialogue was terrible and we had that really weird dad story about why she didn't like Christmas, <laughs> which could have been something as simple as he just like left that day, like he just left and never came back. That that death stuff is super horrifying. What's sad <laughs> is that those stories happen a lot. They have found a lot of bodies in chimneys. As a true crime stand, that's, huh. that's, that happens quite a bit. Unfortunately, people think they can like break in that way. And then if it tapers at all, anyway, I'm not going to get into it because it's morbid and it's terrible and it's awful. But it didn't need to be that. But I did find their romance quite cute. I found how he was like into her, but he was like trepidatious. And then we were at the bar and the guy from the bank was hitting on her. And she was like, no, I have no interest. And then immediately kind of turned to him and was like, but if you asked, I would go. Like, you know, there was there was a, a nice nuance in that relationship where even after their conversation where he was like, you know, why don't you like Christmas? And that makes you weird. And she got upset. There was still very much like a, hey, if, you know, if you're not doing anything, like, I don't know, there was something I was invested in that relationship for whatever reason. So emotionally connection, I think that goes with Gizmo the dog. They were cute. They could have done more of it. I liked, I was emotionally connected to the mom, her whole battle with the things. I was connected, even with Polly Holiday being a terrible person, I was fully invested in like her struggle with the creatures. So I think I'm going to give, again, seven. Seven, I think, is my golden number for this in general. Would I recommend it? Yes. Everyone go watch this movie. (laughs) I know it's a Christmas movie that you kind of roll your eyes at, and it, for some reason, at least in my family, is left off the list of classics that you watch every year. But, like, I think I would put Mm -hmm. this one back on. Like, it Mm. kind of breaks up the Christmas movie monotony because it's got those horror elements. But it's also Mm -hmm. not so dark that you couldn't show, like, the older members of your young family. Mm-hmm. A lot of different generations of people can enjoy this, is I guess where I'm getting Absolutely. at. And then with the message, I agree, it's a seven. It's like, if you really dig deep, it is about how humanity tends to really not appreciate what they have. And if something exciting happens, they just want to run with it and do whatever they want with it without thinking about the consequences. We see that a lot with technology, where it's like, we got real excited about plastic because it could contain our things and it was cheap to make and now all of a sudden we're dealing with the consequences of it slowly ruining the planet so things like that I think were a great message and also just like I don't know your friendships and like how you take care of people and that's probably a lot of that's probably a stretch it's probably just the humanity thing and then we were here to have a good time so I give that one a seven as well so for this category Allison's final score is an eight and mine is an 8.13 which gives Allison's overall score of this film, a 5.94, and mine, a 7.98. That makes the overall score for Gremlins a 6.96, which is almost a 7. That's exactly where I would put it. That's exactly where I would put it. (laughs) Oh, Kendra. Does this pass the Bechdel test? For sure not. Absolutely no. Definitely not. No. Not enough women. Not enough. They don't talk to each other. Characters. No. Yeah, no. There could have been. There could have been a little sister. And you know what? I probably should have harped on that more because I know I have with other movies. But I think at this point it's just a known thing where it's like it just – 
But I also would argue none of the men were very well-rounded in this either. No one was well-rounded in this. I would have loved to get been given the opportunity to give this a rewrite. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so does it pass the DuVernay test? Nope. No, it doesn't. Um, no. It doesn't. I, I – it was trying to remember because I we I know what's coming and when we record and so like I try to be somewhat prepared. I was trying to think if the conversation between the grandson and him would count, but it was so short. It was where the kid one was like, word. "We need the money," and he said, "No, I don't want to." Yes, but it has to be a conversation, and they both have to have names. And the grandfather didn't have a name. Right, right. Neither did the boy. No, so neither did the boy. Count. Yeah, I feel like two lines is not enough lines. No, we gave it to, um, we gave the Bechdel test to, uh, do the right thing over a couple lines. But they talk, they... And I think it's supposed to be a page, but, but yeah, I would agree. Anyway. Yeah. It does not. I say no. They have to be named anyway. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter how long the conversation is. Yeah. Yeah. So I will go first for my day player of the day. Yes. The day player of the day, if you're new to this podcast, is an individual who is an actor in this film, who only tends to have one day on set. So they're usually a smaller role. So we we like to nominate and give a shout out to one of those people because, you know, there's no small actors. There's no small roles. There's only small actors. That's so right. And you don't have a movie without those other characters. You just don't. You don't. You don't. A lot of the time those characters are like they, they will move the plot forward or they will give validation to a character's like the reason why a character is the way they are. Yeah. And speaking of that, that's who I've nominated today. I have nominated Mrs. Harris, who is Belinda Belaski. Belaski? Belaski. Sorry. <laughs> Couldn't even tell you on that one. Your best guess. Yeah, so she played the mom who, at the beginning of the film, when the woman who was, like, the evil person who was threatening to kill, very gruesomely as well, threatening to kill his dog, she was like, my husband just got a job, and and I'm doing some extra sewing, so if we can wait just, like, a week or two to pay you for rent. And then she had a second scene in the bank where she's trying to convince the bank teller. Yeah. I thought she was great. Yeah. I thought she was really good. I thought she was solid. Me too. I thought it was very believable. I liked her coat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I I really there's a there's another one in there that I could have nominated, but I just thought maybe Kendra's going to nominate her, so I've decided to go with Mrs. Ah, Harris. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. That was great. I wish it had played more into the story. Yeah. Like maybe that was the neighbor's wife. Like I don't know why they needed. I know. It just felt like, again, they just could have tied up some more loose ends a little bit better. Yeah. But I also, like, I liked the person who played the neighbor's wife, but I just didn't like the character very much. So I don't think those two characters would have come together. Like, the character that they had for Mm -hmm. her and the character that she was. So, yeah. But she was basically validating how awful that woman was. And that's what her role was. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I'm so curious as to who you think, because both of my nominees, are men this week the ones that I was like balancing back and forth between okay because I tend yeah anyway it doesn't matter I am I am nominating John Louis who played the young Chinese boy at the beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. and is only credited as Chinese boy because I found like I said I was emotionally connected to that relationship the grandfather grandson and this idea that they were also experiencing money troubles and the son like the or the grandson the little Chinese Chinese boy had found this salesman and brought him to the store because they were 
were desperate to like make some money and it was in this basement and he had convinced this guy to come all this way and then this guy was offering them a ton of money and his grandfather was saying no and being unreasonable and like I just I for such a short period of time and such a short scene I thought brought some like very genuine and again push the story along you know if he hadn't snuck out and given gizmo away behind his grandfather's back there is no there's no disaster there's no movie that is my nomination but I was also the William Shallert was on the shortlist and he played the priest who came out and tried to mail his letters <laughs> and the gremlin kept throwing the letters back and he yeah. just had the perfect amount of befuddledness about what could possibly <laughs> be happening that he also made it onto the list as mm. well who were you thinking of I thought you were gonna nominate the guy's wife the neighbor's wife Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she was just like, it's Christmas and everything is just so swell. Yeah, everything's great. And then like screaming as the snowplow like comes through her house. She did also did a great job. Yeah, and she's like, get it away. Yeah. Um. So that, that was one thing about this film that again, there was some holes. There was a line in the film that Billy was basically supporting his family because mm-hmm. his dad didn't make any money. He was a failed yeah, inventor. Yeah. Very Beauty and the Beast. Just putting that out there. But then his his dad spent $200 on Gizmo. And the mom didn't care mm-hmm. that he spent, even though they're broke because, and they live in this, yeah. gi- this gigantic house. So there, and just there was. everyone was broke. Like that was kind of like an broke. overall story mm-hmm. theme, which maybe at the time was accurate. Maybe that that was a struggle that everybody was going through. Yeah, I think it was. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't very varied. No. In terms of character And then stuff. the next door neighbor, he had no one to talk to. There was that storyline that she created that he was like lonely and Christmas is sad and he lost his job. But then he had a wife and everything was fine. And his house was like impeccable and she was like super and giant. Christmas. That one felt the most like cardboard to me. I was like, why is this just a giant room? I know. Oh, right. Because they're going to drive a snowplow through it. <laughs> perfect that's that's why <laughs> yeah all right well that's it for us today we friends we did it we hope you enjoyed this like holiday themed episode we're in december we're getting closer to that kind of time of year so we thought it would be a nice a nice thing to throw in because this is the last official episode of 2022 it is it is it is wow so we made it we did i mean not a whole year because we didn't start at the very beginning of the year but we made it through our first again it's not the first year it's a milestone i'm taking it yeah (laughs) yeah exactly so we appreciate you for hanging out with us so long and we hope that you are enjoying whether it's a holiday or whether it's just having time off or whatever it is that you like about December. We hope that you're getting all of it. <laughs> hmm Yeah, we hope so for sure. And we're excited to see you in the new year. Yeah, um, we are. And uh, we're looking forward to new episodes, new movies, new projects. Yes. New all types of stuff. So thankful that you're on the ride with us and we're, we're excited for 2023, baby. Heck yes. Gonna yeah. be the best year ever. Okay, well, eat your lunch, do your homework, and come straight home. That's right. And go watch movies. You better watch your movies or a gremlin's going to get you. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>